Hey, it's the good folks at Comics for Fun and Profit reminding you that nobody Patreons like we Patreon. So join us at C4FAP and go over to Patreon slash Comics Fun Profit and sign up at a level of your choosing. There's various tiers with various goodies for you. Somebody, Something that everyone gets at any level is you get to be a part of our Slack channel community. And you get early and ad-free access to all our episodes. But wait, there's more. So go over to Patreon slash Comics Fun Profit and check out all we have to offer. We urge you, sign up today. Aloha, this is Jason from Hawaii. Welcome to a special edition of the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast. In this episode, I will be interviewing Anthony Award winner writer. He won the award in 2005 and 2011. I'll be interviewing writer Jason Starr. He is here to promote his latest novel, The Next Time I Die. And it's um, a book from the um, Hard Case Crime um, Publisher. Now, this book is available through Jason's website, and it's um, Jason Starr. It's all J A S O N S T A R R dot com and at your local bookstores. Jason, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thanks for oh. having me on. No, thank you very much. So, Jason, I'm going to go over your, your incredible writing background. Please feel free to correct me at any point. I'm not going to cover all the books because uh, everything you wrote, because, you know, it'll just take up the whole hour. And <laughs> But I'm just going to point out some key ones or just point out some of few. So, um, so now, Jason, correct me if I'm wrong. Your first hard case crime novel um, you wrote back in, is it 2009? Fake ID, is that correct? Um, that's the first one uh, that was just written by me alone. Uh, I also co-wrote four novels with an Irish writer, Ken Bruin. Uh, so there was Bus, Slide, The Max, uh, and Pimp was the most recent. So there was a four book series Oh, okay. called the Max and Angela series that we did at Hard Case. But yeah, that was like the uh, the only previous standalone that I did before this one, The Next Time I Die. So okay. fake ID, that was that one. Oh, okay. And then also you've written also a number of other numerous books, such as the PAX series. It was a, it was a, it was a two, it was a two book series. Is that correct? The PAX series um, regarding werewolves. Is that correct? Yes. It was a two book series with, uh, Yep, there's a uh, the pack and the craving uh, was the sequel. Okay, and then also you've wrote you've also the other books that you've written is Panic Attack, Code Caller, and you also wrote some media tie-in books such as Atman, Natural Enemy, and Gotham, um, based on the um, re- well not is related to the TV show um, Gotham City of Monsters, and it's this just to name a few. Um, and then you've also written some comics, and I'm just going to go over um, just some titles that you've written for um, Justice Inc. from DC Comics that ran from 2009 to 2010. Um, you wrote the um, Wolverine um, series for Marvel under their Max title line, if, if I got that correct, from right. 2000, 2012 to 2014. And recently, for eight, from, from AWA, you wrote Red Border and Casual Flings. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. And then also you have written some screenplays, um, like um, one of your short stories called The Bully that 
um, it was it was turned into a short film back in 2010. Um, you've also co-written co-written a screenplay based on one of your novels called Code Caller with Clayton Jacobson. And you had some of your and correct me if I'm wrong. Some of your other novels have been adapted for movies or TV. Is that correct? Uh, many of them are in development. Uh, many of my books have been optioned for TV and film, mm -hmm. and uh, occasionally I've written screenplays. Uh, my level of involvement varies on depending on the project. No, oh, okay, all right. Now I'm going to ask: Do you want to add anything else to this, like like a previous work that you're very proud of um, that you want listeners to check out? No, I mean anyone could, who's uh, uh, wants to check out. All of my books, just go to jasonstar.com. Um, there's information about all my books, comics. Um, Cold Caller that you mentioned was my first one. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I've done about a book a year. Uh, since then, I've done some books with Vintage Crime, uh, their Black Wizard imprint. And then I uh, did those uh, Penguin books that you mentioned, The Back and the Craving. I've done some books with St. Martin's Press. Um, so I've done a lot of... Uh, psychological thrillers, crime novels, uh, and uh, comics simultaneously. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, this is, I'm going to just um, jump ahead to one question. Um, since you already mentioned your website, um, where can listeners follow you on social media? Uh, at Jason Star Books on Twitter, Instagram. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm Jason Star Fan at, um, on AOL. Okay. All right. And What's on Facebook. Okay. And then, um, actually, Jason, I also want to say thank you very much because I know when I jumped on, when I joined Twitter, like about a couple of years ago, you were one of the, my earlier followers. Thank you very much. I mean, thank you very much. Yeah. And honestly, I've been, I've, for the last year, I've been meaning to try to get you on the show. I just, I just couldn't find, I guess, the right time, but this is the perfect time right now. So you can, Great. yeah. So, um, also to before I start the interview, I want to give a big shout out to Hannah Bahedri of Superfan Promotions for setting up this interview. Hannah, thank you very much. Um, Jason, I'm going to ask, do you want to add anything to that? No, that's great. Okay. And then also to, um, also I got some information, um, you know, from, um, your, your webpage, your Wikipedia page, and also an interview that you did um, a YouTube podcast called Traversing the Stars um, that came out just recently, actually back in June of um, last month, um, June um, 22nd. So, so I got some of my information from them as well. So yeah. So Jason, I'm just going to start. Basic question. Where did you grow up? I grew up in New York City in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And then um, do you remember what was your like first comics that you read or... Um, I read a lot of comics growing up. I used to read uh, Dick Tracy and uh, Amazing nice. Spider-Man. Um, uh, yeah, definitely a lot of Marvel uh, mm -hmm. comics um, growing up. Um, that's when they used to sell them at candy stores yes. mm -hmm. uh, in, in, in Brooklyn. Um, mm -hmm. So I'd always go out and get the monthly comics. Um, a friend and I, I remember, like we made our own comic once. Uh, nice. I definitely, I definitely was into comics when I was growing up. Um, but then, I didn't really get back into it until much later on, until I'd written a bunch of novels and mm -hmm. 
yeah, sort of got into it through my novel writing. But mm-hmm. but growing up, I was a comics fan. Okay. And then also, too, um, what kind of books did you read while you were growing up? Um, I mean, I read the books they're just assigned to me in school, the usual classics, mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of books on sports, like sports biographies. I was just very into sports uh, uh-huh. growing up. So, uh, yeah, I didn't really get into the sort of books that I like writing until maybe like I was in college, like uh, crime fiction and thrillers, like um, – but I think I remember reading like a Mickey Spillane novel once just because it was on my parents' shelf, but uh, it wasn't anything I was like exposed to in any great way until later on. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. That's pretty cool. Um, I'm just going to ask like, you know, um, like saying when you start to, you know, you know, um, when you start to read novels and stuff, like, you know, who was your favorite writer that stuck out that you kind of like, um, oh yes, I got to buy his or her book whenever they it came out. Well, when I when I really got into writing, like in college, um, I, I, I guess I was the, one of the first writers I really liked was John Cheever, who wrote uh, best known for his short stories. I think it, just because they were so character driven and they had such rich characters, and they were uh, set in the New York area. Um, and that's when I got into writing dialogue. Uh, I, the dialogue in those stories were was attractive to me, and then. Mm-hmm. Raymond Carver's short stories. Um, I had read some Hemingway in high school because it was assigned to me, but then yes, I, mm-hmm. I think I had a new appreciation of it, of the of the language of Hemingway and uh, the sparsity of the language and uh, the directness of it. So I mm-hmm. think any writers who wrote like very direct, clear uh, prose was just more interesting to me and um, something that I was more aspiring to than some of... Uh, than some other type of writing that I've been exposed to. And then later on, when I discovered crime writing, uh, Jim Thompson, mm-hmm. uh, James M. Kane, Chandler. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was also that same spare sort of writing that I liked, but they're also very plot-driven books. So that was really what, um, the, the, sort of the, the marriage of like plot-driven plus that mm-hmm. spare writing is what really got me into writing. I'm going to ask you, do you have a favorite hole-in-the-wall bookstore that you go to? Uh, a hole-in-the-wall bookstore? Yeah, because, you, uh, know, you know, because I mean... I don't call it a hole-in-the-wall, but, like, if I want new <laughs> books, I go to the Strand, like, in New York, uh, mm-hmm. downtown. I mean, the uh, the back of the store still has, like, these, you know, uh, um, cavernous shelves of uh, uh, used books. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, that's where I'll go. I mean, there's, and there's still, like, scattered used bookstores around Manhattan, but not as many um, as there used to be. Yeah. Um, but I do love going, like, finding when I'm traveling or something or, or in another state, just, like, coming upon a, a used bookstore. And, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's always fun looking at, you know, the shelves. Like, you never know what you're going to find. And, uh, oh, yes. I, I, I agree. I hear you. And then I'm going to just ask, like, how did your journey start um, – writing novels at first how did that come about um i think it required um well at at first i was writing plays like after college because like i was saying like my writing was very dialogue driven so it just seemed natural um and then i really i really like theater i just like the conflict and the characters and um the lot you know the experience of live theater so i was very into um 
plays and playwriting. Um, but I, at the time, I was starting to discover crime fiction. And I think there's a shift for every writer where you have to, uh, at some point, just start writing the stuff you like to read. It seems mm -hmm. like a very simple, um, uh, it doesn't seem like it would require much of, a pif of an epiphany to do that. Uh, but I think a lot of writers um, in writing programs tend to try to write literary fiction or uh, a certain type of fiction um, because they think that's like what you're supposed to do as a writer. And mm -hmm. uh, so I think it, for me, it was just a matter of like really writing what I enjoyed uh, mm -hmm. reading plot, plot driven um, stories with action and mm -hmm dialogue and morally morally ambiguous characters and um stories like that mm -hmm. and then um i'm also going to ask how did you, your journey started writing into comics um yeah like i was saying before that really came out of um writing novels okay yeah uh, some some editors uh at dc and marvel um are also crime fiction fans oh, and okay. they at the time at Marvel, um, Axel Alonso was in charge of the, um, was, was, was one of the editors and then he ultimately became editor-in-chief at Marvel. Mm -hmm. um, uh, he's, he's very into crime fiction and I believe he was very responsible for getting uh, people like me, Victor Gishler, uh, Dwayne right. Kuzinski, uh, Greg Hurwitz. So a lot of uh, writers who were known for crime started writing uh, comics um uh you know partially because of um axel uh mm -hmm. being at marvel um but all but i the stuff at, at simultaneously at dc uh, will dennis an editor at dc had asked me to write an introduction for brian azarillo's crime comic uh 100 bullets mm -hmm. so i wrote that and then i wrote an, uh, an introduction for uh a uh one of the um trade paperbacks of Scalped by Jason Aaron. Mm -hmm. And because of that, uh, we started getting into conversations about me pitching some ideas and I wound up doing a graphic novel called The Chill for Vertigo. So that was like my first uh, Vertigo uh, project. Oh, okay. And then, can I just, I just wanna ask, can you describe the feelings when you first saw your name on your first novel or your first comic? Uh, yeah, no, they're both very exciting. Like I remember when Cold Caller was first published in this country by Norton. Mm -hmm. uh, it was actually published in the UK first, actually, by, by No Exit Press. And I, and I went over there, actually, went right around the time it was launched. Mm -hmm. so, I, I, so the first time I saw my books in stores was in London, actually. And it, yeah, it definitely is. Uh, surreal feeling at first especially if you've been aspiring to be a writer for a long time and um i think i think aspiring to do anything requires uh an element of fantasizing about it first mm -hmm. uh, and then yeah. trying to make the uh the fantasy come true mm -hmm. uh so there yeah so i think because of that there's a certain surreal following i, I remember uh quality i remember when i was writing plays and i had uh a play produced in college it was actually similar because you're writing a play and then like mm -hmm. uh it was student actors but it was still performed you know uh and you're hearing your words spoken and uh and it with in comics yeah definitely i would say when uh 
DC and Marvel published stuff for the first time, like having grown up and reading comics and going to comic stores. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, yeah, it was like the 10 year old in me was like excited about that. Like, you know, seeing, you know, mm -hmm. wow, my name's on a Marvel comic. Like it was, you know, there's a surreal sort of feeling to that. That is so cool. That is really cool. Thank you for sharing that. All right. Now we're going to get into the meat of the interview. We're going to start talking about the next time I die. Let me read a few um, quotes that, um, that um, people have written already. So, quote, the next time I die is a, is a, um, a paranoid, paranoid noir freakout play on playing its own one-of-a-kind one game. And it's a shameless page turn. That quote is from Joe Hill. And then this other quote is, um, quote, an, an audacious mind-bending of a novel, a high-octane cocktail of infidelity, murder, and alternate realities, served straight from the Twilight Zone, and, end quote. That's from Wallace. I'm going to hopefully, Wallace, I hope I pronounce your name last name correctly, Strobe. He's right. the author of the, the Chris Stone novels. Right. That is so cool. Yeah. So, yeah. all right. So I'm going to ask, how did you come up with, um, with this, with the idea um, for the novel? Um, I mean, most of my, like similar to like I come up with any idea, it's always just based on a, uh, a situation. Uh, in this case, it's about a lawyer, a uh, mm -hmm. defense attorney in New York who, uh, is preparing for one of the biggest cases of his career. Um, mm -hmm. Unexpectedly, his marriage falls apart and he's kicked out of his house basically by his mm -hmm. uh, wife and he's driving away in the snow and he stops at a uh, convenience store and there's a domestic dispute going on mm -hmm. and he does the right thing. He steps in and tries to help the, uh, the woman um, who's arguing with the older man and mm -hmm. uh, the, the the older man like takes out a knife, stabs him in the gut. Yes. And, mm -hmm. uh, he should have died, but he winds up in another reality that's somewhere between. Uh, the best way to describe it is it's somewhere between Philip K. Dick and the Twilight and the Twilight Zone. Uh huh. Uh, so for that, for this book, I definitely wanted to. Uh, I, I knew that I was going to take things in a different direction. That it was going to yes. have a big twist in chapter two. Uh, mm -hmm. It really takes it into a direction that's very different than anything else I've written. I've, mainly my books have been crime novels, psychological thrillers, and this is really my first book that has like a sci-fi uh, twist mm -hmm. uh, to it. So I knew that it was gonna have that twist, it was gonna be now uh, have this other reality. Um, I didn't really know all the details yet. Mm -hmm. uh, and I knew that it was gonna require a lot of world building and yes. uh, that it was gonna be psychological and. I had some ideas for some plot points and twists, but that was the main gist of it. Like I just had, uh, I wanted that set up. Mm -hmm. Oh, that is so cool. And then, um, you know, um, already you've talked about, you know, and readers, you know, um, you know, the first two chapters are, you know, already available, you know, sample, the sample chapters are already available online. So it's, um, I know, because I read the sample chapters um, through the Amazon website. And if I remember correctly, I think Jason, you tweeted out, I think IGN, one of their articles has the um, sample, the first two chapters. Yeah, but you, yeah, you could read the samples or it's just at like 
every bookstore. Go get go get a oh, copy. Yes, <laughs> yes, but it but it's just it's just the nice um, but it's just that the nice taste of ooh, this tastes good. I'm now yeah. I'm going to go and get it. And I'm going to pick up the book. So yes, yeah, it's it has these great. I would really recommend getting the actual book uh, rather than even the. Uh, I mean, there's a Kindle version, of course, um, but the actual book has these, you know these great uh, hard case crime covers, these retro yes uh, covers, and um, yeah, so it's always worth it just to have it. Uh, this one is by uh, Claudia Garanfa, and uh, she's done like a number of covers for hard case crime, and I think this is one of her best ones. So you'll definitely want it for your for your shelf, hopefully. Mm -hmm. So. Check it out. All right. So um, you've, you've already mentioned, like, Steve, Stephen is the main character of the story. Um, you've already mentioned he's a defense attorney. And then um, Laura is his wife. Um, are, are there any other main characters you want to talk about um, um, that's going to pop I mean, up? Yeah, I mean, that, those are some of the characters. There's also this uh, killer who he's been, he was representing um, – as a defense attorney, uh, mm -hmm. who in this other reality uh, is slight, is somewhat different than he was in that first reality. So the the characters um, basically have have at least two different versions of them. Yes. Uh, of of themselves. Uh, so there and there are many other characters in the in the book, but um, yeah, the main thing is that this is a. Uh, a book that's told in the first person. Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. Stephen as the narrator is not necessarily reliable, so we're just getting his mm -hmm. version of um, events and the people in his life. And uh, part of, I hope, what makes the book intriguing is that not only is there this alternate reality and like the solving the mystery of like what's going on in the phys physical world, it's also about these. Uh, different versions of people and uh, what that says about uh, the decisions we make and uh, free will, fate versus free will mm -hmm. and versus nurture and uh, some bigger subjects that like come out of that situation. Now, I'm going to kind of jump around a little bit, um, Jason. So, you know, as you already mentioned, you know, that um, you know, the nature versus you know, nurture, free will versus fate. What you know was this like a major theme that you wanted to explore before you started writing the book, or did it kind of like when you start to write, it start to present itself while you're writing? Um, interesting. Well, the the fate free will thing, I think, is something that does come up in a lot of uh, my books, just as like a recurrent theme. Like, I it's not something I think about consciously, but if I was mm -hmm. just trying to analyze my books the way a professor <laughs> would. Uh, I could see that the theme is there. So I think that just came out. Um, the nature versus nurture thing I, was definitely important because it has to do with the, these alternate realities. And yes. it uh, is another version of you, the tr really the, the same, are you the same person? Mm -hmm. um, but the, uh, I, it wasn't something that I had uh, plotted out in any great, detail i'm always when i'm plotting i'm only i'm only really thinking about those big plot points yes uh almost the way i would like pitch an idea at like a hollywood pitch meeting um i really I, it's hard for me maybe some writers could do it but like in advance to really know what themes i'm going to end up dealing with or mm -hmm. 
those just seem to come out, uh, I wouldn't say just naturally because it's coming from me, but as I'm writing the book, like I'll, uh, an idea that I want to explore might like come, come to me as during the actual writing, but it's not mm-hmm. something I think about. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Now, I know you said in this book that you did a lot of world building, um, you know, and, you know, did you like to have like a, some type of like a Bible or a, some type of like written out map of the book events and characters, like where they are in the, sh- you know, where they are in the story, just to keep things straight for you? Um, for the big for yeah there's some stuff that's informational mm-hmm. um is i don't want to have any spoilers but there's some yeah. stuff that's informational um that i did uh i mean some some things did come to me like while i was writing and then i had to rethink it but um yeah i mean there was stuff to keep track of just because it's there there are at least two realities in, yes. in the book and uh I had to make sure that um, I was staying consistent is the best way to do it. So like, it was yes. more like, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it was like a full fledged like Bible, but oh, yeah. it was sort of like a list of facts uh, mm-hmm. and, a, and, and somewhat of a timeline. Um, there's a, there's a, a particular date in the past that Stephen decides is like a very important uh, date for like when he thinks this, one reality shifted into the other, um, and he does some oh, nice. personal explanation, uh, exploration, um, and an investigation into the uh, the past events. Um, so with that, like, I really needed like a a timeline. There were some specific things uh, historically that happened in mm-hmm. our world that mm-hmm. diverged from the world that he's living in. So I just wanted to make sure that. Um, I had a sense of both timelines. Oh, okay. That's pretty cool. Um, fun question, you know, because you said you're different. You had two different um, realities. You know, um, did you add, you know, did you have fun adding little tidbits, like such as like, you know, the Jets win the Super Bowl in one reality or uh, in another, you know, in the second reality, Cole Collar won best screenplay at the 96th Academy Award. Yeah. Well, I didn't, I didn't, there's nothing about cold caller in the book, but, um, uh, there, there are some, yeah, I mean, there are some, uh, spots where I couldn't resist having some fun. Um, yeah, there are some references to, uh, me that are very, um, subtle, uh, maybe some like post postmodern sort of, uh, references. Uh, there is something about the jets, but that I couldn't resist doing, uh, but, uh, but in general, I there certainly isn't too much of that. I'm very cognizant of. Oh yeah. Um, I want I want the reader to stay in the story, but there are certain oh, yeah. points where a little levity is like really good for like the. Um, I don't want the, the the I didn't want the book, any of my books to be like too dark and serious. Like mm-hmm. they're basically entertainment, and this one in particular. I want it to be like a, a beach read, like something you could read like in a day or two on a beach um, mm-hmm. without it being too weighty. So yeah. there, there are moments of levity like that, like where, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to like tell jokes, but like there are things that are ironic and satirical that I think uh, 
that might add some, a layer of amusement to the whole thing. Yeah. Okay. And then, um, and then how did you team up with um, the um, Hard Case Crime Publisher? You know, like, you know. Well, they, as, as we were talking about earlier, they've published me in the past uh, yes. uh, a number of books with Ken Bruin and uh, Fake ID. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have, no, we have, we have a long history. Uh, the, the only ambiguity with this book was because it's, uh, depending how you view it, it's either a crime novel, it's a sci-fi novel, it's a sci-fi crime novel, uh, but there's certainly a sci-fi element. And in yes. the past, the only books that, um, hard case has done that are anywhere near like science fiction or, uh, Ray Bradbury reprint they did. Um, they've done a number of Michael uh, Crichton books, uh, some Stephen King books or mm-hmm. have a fantasy element that have also been border, you know, mm-hmm. borderline sci-fi, some of them. So, um, it was a very, it was a very short list. So I wasn't, um, sure how Charles, um, or my editor and publisher at hard case would, uh, would respond to the book. Uh, but, he was incredibly enthusiastic, like mm-hmm. really, um, like, you know, he saw the sci-fi element, but like he also sees like that any reader of crime fiction is also going to really like this because uh, it, it is, it, it is at its core still a crime novel um, yes. that just happens to have a sci-fi twist. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now this part here, um, Jason, I'm, I'm because it's, it happens in the first chapter. You, you saw my question then. And I'm sorry, I'm going to have to point this out. And I love the first page. You describe what Stephen is wearing during his argument with Laura in his study as his he's preparing yeah, for Laura an important... I'm sorry? Yeah, his wife, Laura. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it, I love it how Steve, Stephen says, you know, you know, he says, yeah, Laura is, you know, wearing the, the dinner dress that they wore to dinner. And Stephen goes, quote, I'm in jeans. I wore at dinner, but bare chested. <laughs> I'm just asking, this is a lighthearted question. <laughs> Was there any reason to putting that the bare chested part in the in, in that section? Uh yeah, actually. Um I guess like in, in whenever I'm writing, like I'm trying to set up a uh a scene and I'm yeah. thinking about the um the conflict and how to heighten the tension and uh, the mood. Um, so yeah, I, I, I guess I wanted to put him like in a more, um, I'm thinking about like, again, I, I used to write plays. So I'm thinking about like the staging and like how it's, how it's set and I'm sort of imagining it. Yeah. And she's, um, I wanted to put him like in a more vulnerable, mm-hmm. uh, yes. uh, position. Uh, so it's sort of, that's just how, how I saw him like being like really caught off guard by this whole, uh, uh, conversation. So I felt like if it took place, um, maybe like right after dinner or mm-hmm. like when, when she hadn't started getting undressed, she, she's like in the more, uh, powerful sort of position at mm-hmm. that point. Um, yes. and she's the one who's made the decision. So like, yeah, it was just about like putting him in a position like where he'd really be caught off guard mm-hmm. and like, and he's about to be kicked out of his house. So like, yes. and he has to get dressed and like leave. So like, it was just like, um, which is how I saw the scene. No. Okay. But the other thing I'm going to say for listeners, you know, as Jason mentioned, you know, uh, we're, we're reading Steven through a first um, person, you know, 
you know, as in the first person view, because when I, Jason, when I read that first chapter, it was like, oh my God, I feel like Laura was attacking, you get the feeling of, oh my God, she's attacking me type deal because it's very intense. So, yeah. So, um, I'm going to move on. I'm going to slowly, I'm slowly starting to wrap this up. So now, um, I know it's still in the very early stages, but can you talk about um, how um, Gil Adler Productions, now they now produced, now this production um, company, they produced um, the Tom Cruise movie, Valkyrie and Superman Returns. It, it was, um, they optioned the rights to the book. Um, I mean, I, can you just maybe explain the process to me? And, and because they optioned the book before it was even, released is that correct uh yeah that, i mean that sometimes happens um mm -hmm. i can't really talk about it too much but it's yeah. in, uh but you know, yeah but gill is um uh a producer uh who's as you mentioned he's done valkyrie uh constantine superman mm -hmm. returns uh many other films um and tv shows and uh yeah, I mean, he read it early, the book, and he was extremely enthusiastic. And um, yeah, I mean, we have a, we have a similar vision for um, where what we want to do with it. And uh, I mean, we see it more for TV than as a film. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I can't really comment any more on that. But yeah. just check out, uh, follow me on Twitter and uh, jasonstar.com. And I have a newsletter. You could sign up for that. Um, but there should be some updates on that soon. Oh, okay. All right. And then um, I know you just did a recent Q&A at the um, St. Francis College um, over the weekend. How did that go? Uh, it went well. Uh, I teach at uh, St. Francis College. Uh, I teach in the MFA writing program. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have events uh, periodically. Um, actually, I just started the... Uh, it's a uh, a MFA track, so you can get an MFA degree with a focus on comics and graphic novels. And it's actually the first uh, pro program like this in the country. So anyone out there who's looking to uh, get their MFA in, in writing and is interested in comics, mm -hmm. uh, check us out at St. Francis College. Uh, Lots of information about it online. You could register, uh, and it's a low residency program. So even though the the, um, the school is in Brooklyn, uh, there there are two there are two intensive there are two intensives every year in the summer and winter. Uh, so it's something you don't have to necessarily be in the New York area full time to be in this program. So mm -hmm. check it out. Uh, it's it's going to be uh, a focus on comics writing. Uh, and we're going to have editors and comics writers and liaisoning with uh, artists. And hopefully it's just going to be like a very dynamic uh, program that's just really getting off the ground. And we also have, we currently have a fiction writing program, poetry, nonfiction. So, so uh, yeah, it's an excellent program. Okay. Oh, Jason, that's, that is so, that's pretty cool. That is really awesome. Because I mean, you know, because both of us, when we were growing up, we never heard colleges would you know have these, you know, classes or anything like that or programs. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously the comics industry is so big now and Marvel Marvel movies are big and Mm -hmm. uh, the whole industry is blown up. So it seems to me like there's a gap, like writing programs should be paying more attention to uh, comics and it should be like a legitimate uh, thing that like, you know, that students should want to be studying, like, Mm -hmm. you know, when they're getting their masters. Uh, I think the it's important to study like where the work is and and plus there's just so much interest in it. So yeah, yeah so I think there's a lot of uh, potential. That's pretty cool. Now I'm going to ask if you can talk about it. I mean, I, I know it's kind of hard. You can't, if things are in the early process, but you know, do you have any more hard case crime stories lined up, you know, for the next couple of years or anything like that? Um, Nothing specific. I mean, I'm, I'm working on a new, uh, I guess, I would just call it a psychological thriller right now. Mm-hmm. So um, until I show them the book, like, I don't, I don't know what I'm, no, no specific. No, no, yeah. No specific plans, no specific plans yet. Uh, so, but I'm sure we'll be working on something else down the line because okay. it's always okay. been a great experience publishing with Hard Case Crime. Uh I love the look of the books. Uh, great, great readers and fans mm-hmm. read the books. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just always a lot of fun to publish with Hard Case Crime. Yeah. Okay. And then now I'm slowly wrapping things up. This is a fun question. Is there one dream writing gig, like either a novel or a comic series you've always want to work on, such as the, and, um, the old uh, 1970s Hawaii Five-O tie-in. I'm just throwing out a recommendation or whatever. <laughs> you know, like old Hawaii Five-O tie-in from the 70s or in comics like Hawkeye as a detective. You know, is there any dream writing gig you still want to do? Um, yeah, I mean, I would love to do Deadpool uh, mm-hmm. for Marvel. Um, yeah. I just think I'd... Just the voice of that character and the pop culture references and the irreverence that that's the sort of character that would definitely appeal to me mm-hmm. um in writing novels i mean there's some things i just want to do personally but like nothing there's no like licensed um uh character that i'd like to do that i'm like dying to write a novel of um maybe something related to star wars yeah uh, possibly but um if something materialized from that but yeah Yeah. now i know you said that you know you wrote um you know um you've done you know you've worked you've um you know you wrote for plays you've done you know uh, screenplays and so forth now i'm joking on this part you know if a tv movie or producer calls you and says hey we have a blank check for you to revive one of your favorite TV shows or movies, what would it be and why? Um, if I had to revive one of my, uh, huh, well, maybe it would be um, something related to uh, Elmore Leonard. Uh, mm, yes. Maybe one of the characters uh, from the Raylan novels. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had there was one character in a book called Pronto um, where ha- Harry Arno 
was a character. Uh, yes, I, I think like somebody like that, like a spinoff <laughs> from an Elmore <laughs> Leonard novel uh, would be very appealing. He was definitely one of my favorite uh, crime writers. Uh, so doing something with his his work would be great. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, that's that sounds pretty cool. All right. So what is the most or fun adapting, or adapting one of his books into a movie? Or oh, like that. that'd be nice. All right. So what is the most fun or exciting thing you love about writing? It could be whether it's novel, comics, or screenplays or, or plays. Um, I guess the funnest thing is just the act of um writing. I think those moments when you just get lost in the work and uh it just you know if it's flowing easily and you just get lost in it and it's uh you know it's just a, sort of like a relaxing sort mm-hmm. of uh escaping escaping feeling mm-hmm. it doesn't happen too often because sometimes <laughs> there's a lot of procrastination there's a lot of uh mm-hmm. anxiety but like those i think those moments sort of like a writer's high mm-hmm. uh, is is the best way i would describe it all right. Do you have a favorite convention moment, whether it is a fan or creator? Um, I guess my favorite convention moment was going to like a San Diego uh, Comic Con and uh, winding up hanging out with George R. R. Martin because uh, we, we had the same uh, publicist at the time at um, the Penguin, uh, or or he was associated with one of the. Uh, so, or, or his publicist was associated with publicist Penguin, but we're in the same group of like several people who went out to like bars in, in San Diego, and he told a lot of old stories about his his publishing, and uh, yeah, that was an uh, interesting night. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Um, do you um, do you have any um, convention or store signing appearances that's coming like in the fall? Like we're looking probably like in August, September. Um, nothing I could think of right off the bat. Oh, mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Now, a um, couple more questions. Have you and your family been to Hawaii? To where? To Hawaii. To Hawaii. Uh, I have been to Hawaii, yes. I've been to Big Island. Uh, oh, nice. Um, I've actually only been to Hawaii once. Actually, it was for a, uh, a writer's conference. It was like the Left Coast Crime uh, Writer's Conference was held in uh, Hawaii one year. Wow, that is pretty cool. Now, I'm joking on this part. When are you going to write your next book about Hawaii? And if you do, will you put it in your contract that you and your family need to live in in Hawaii at a nice house or even in Maui for yeah. six months? <laughs> uh, well, a friend of mine just moved to uh, to Hawaii, actually to Big Island. So, uh-huh. um, yeah, you never know. Maybe uh, I'd have to go on a research trip or something. <laughs> All right. Last question. Any closing words to our listeners? Uh yeah, if you if you check out uh, uh, the next time I die, uh, just I'd love to know what you think. Uh, mm-hmm. Follow me on Twitter at Jason Star Books, Instagram at Jason Star Books. Uh, I love to interact with uh, fans and readers, so let me know what you think. Mm-hmm. All right, so Jason, thank you very much for your time. I want to wish you all the success, the continued success with your new novel, The Next Time I Die. Um, 
I also want to thank Hannah of Superfan Promotions, you know, for setting up, help setting up this interview. Hannah, thank you very much. Um, if you are a new comic book reader or a lifelong comic book reader, please check out Jason's latest novel, The Next Time I Die from Hard Case Crimes. It is available through Jason's website, jasonstar.com. It's on, or you can go through Amazon or your local bookstore. And, and I'm being serious, you know, ask your, ask your LCS to order a copy, you know, to spotlight Jason's, you know, to spotlight Jason's works and to start a conversation about, you know, to talk about his other works um, from AWA and his other novels as well. So um, I want to thank Drew, the co-host of Comics for Fun and Profit, for putting this episode together. Drew, thank you very much for all your hard work behind the scenes. And if you are a new listener, please check out new episodes of Comics for Fun and Profit that comes out every Saturday. And I want to thank you, the listeners. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening to this episode. Until next time, guys. Aloha. Our LCS is Cowabunga Comics out of Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. And their mail order company, Deep Discount Comics. Um, and we went there, and, and we were actually invoice number oh 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 one. We are the we were the very first, <laughs> their very first customer, um, which was kind of cool. They've been nothing short of fantastic, customer service wise. Discounts they were very close, if not the same or better than DCBS on a lot of things. Um, mm-hmm. Over and above uh, customer service wise, always taking care of us, going the extra mile. So responsive, getting instantaneous uh, responses back to uh, questions about things and to the point where knowing the stuff you like and anticipating your needs and having it suggested to, that you might want to add this to your order already uh, before you even have to think about about it. That's kind of cool. Really quality experience. So we we love working with Calabunga and Deep Discount, and that's why they're in our show notes every single episode, and have been for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of episodes. Mm-hmm. That we leave them there because we like them. They're cool, good people. That's why they're in there. By God, they'd tell you to if you've got a local comic book shop that you love, stay with them, because every everybody needs to support their local comic shops. But if you're looking, check them out. You can check them out in in the show notes. There's plenty of ways to get a hold of them. Either get on their list, just so you can check and see what kind of FOC and pre-order stuff they have and the discounts, and they'll send it to you um, each month, get you on that email list. And you can check out their shop because they have a great shop of exclusive Cowabunga Mm -hmm. variants. Amazing stuff. Yes, they've always been there for us, and we take them for granted. So there you go. Now you, now you know.